Hi, this is Brian Horn with Lawn and Landscape Magazine. I'm on the phone with Mo Glenner. Mo is the author of a new book called Selfish Altruism, Managing and Executing Successful Change Initiatives. Uh, Mo, thanks for joining me. Uh, what is the main thing a leader needs to know about driving change? Well, really the main thing that a, a leader should know about change is that uh, people generally are resistant to change primarily because of a, what we'll call the fear of the unknown. So, uh, for instance, usually on a change, not everything is known about it, not everything is known about the intention of the change, or really what the end goals of it. Uh, what a leader really needs to understand is, is to combat that, they really have to communicate. And when I say communicate, it's more than just necessarily, uh, hey, we're going to be doing this change, but really what's behind that change? Give a little bit of an insight uh, into what the change is supposed to accomplish and uh, how it's supposed to uh, actually be accomplished. Is there a common misstep that you've heard from uh, leaders maybe who have tried to you know, change something in their company that they're always doing wrong? You know, what I think it is, is, is there's always this, um, what I call the need-to-know complex. Mm -hmm. uh, what happens is, is that uh, managers, especially higher up, feel that, okay, we have the insight, we know what's going on, we have the uh, macro look, if you will, on what's going on, but we don't necessarily need to share that all the way down. Um, what frequently happens in that, when that happens is that only part of the message is communicated. Uh, Frequently, that uh, that results in something you know. It's called confusion. Uh, people are confused. What's really going on? And confusion is the natural breeder of fear. Which, of course, that that's exactly it—the fear of the unknown. Uh, that's probably the the biggest single barrier to uh, effective change. Is there a way to know what you should disclose and what not to disclose, or is it best just to you know lay all the cards out on the table? Well, I think the more information, the better. Um, certainly, there's probably bits and pieces of the information that uh, that may not be relevant in a particular case. For instance, uh, if a change is going, uh, there might be sensitive financial information. You know, perhaps some of that doesn't necessarily need to be disclosed. But we're really talking more about, okay, we're going to, for instance, let's say we're going to put in a new program. Uh, how you communicate what's going on, why are we doing this new program when everything seems to be working out okay, fine, with the old program. Uh, who is this going to affect? Are we going to be affected? How is this going to change what we do right now? Naturally, all the answers might not be known from the very beginning, but communication is more of an iterative process. Um, what happens is you communicate as much as you're able to go ahead and communicate now, and as more information is known, go back and re-communicate again. Uh, keeping people inside the loop does two things. Number one, it's informative. It's, uh, it combats the confusion and the fear complex. But more importantly, it makes them feel important and empowered. You're sharing this information with me. Now, a lot of our readers um, are out of the office. They're on job sites. Is there a different way to approach that type of work environment compared to you know, a 9 to 5 people are in the office at their cubes? I think really the only difference would be just in the nature of the communication. Uh, certainly, if everyone's there in the office, it might be easier to hold an all-hands-on meeting or uh, video conference or, or whatever that is. I really think that the only difference would be it really doesn't make a difference where the workers specifically are, just that it's a communication, it's an effective communication, and it's an earnest communication. I think 
you know, one other thing to be noted is is that if you're going to make the effort to communicate, that it really does need to be an honest communication. Um, I'm not going to necessarily go as far as saying it, uh, the opposite of that is uh, dishonest communication, but I think sometimes by omitting certain things, the truth eventually does come out, and at that point, then you've got a credibility problem, which might be significantly worse than any confusion or fear problem. How do you rebound from that? Maybe you unknowingly left things out, didn't think it was important, and now it's coming back to bite you. How do you now have to take that step to get your employees' trust back? I think you almost have to do a mea culpa. You, you almost have to go ahead and say, listen, um, we made a mistake. Um, we, we didn't actually let you guys know that. We're, we're going to be better about it. We're, uh, you know, for whatever it is, it doesn't necessarily mean that you intentionally left it out. Uh, it just means that uh, it has to be communicated back. I think people are understanding sometimes if not all the information is relayed all at the same time or at an appropriate time, but just as long as there's uh, almost like in any, um, for lack of better words, apology, uh, as long as there's a sincere effort to not repeat that mistake or a sincere effort to rectify whatever was wrong, I think most people can understand and empathize with that. I, I don't necessarily think it, it's a, it would be a long-term problem. I, I look at it that is what, that would be more of a short-term problem, provided it was handled properly, of course. And you almost probably maybe turn it into a, uh, a good thing. Uh, it could be. I mean, I, I think people appreciate, hey, we're, we're human. Managers are human. Owners are human. Uh, and until artificial intelligence uh, replaces us, if, if it ever does replace us, and I, I'd like to think that, uh, well, I really don't know on that one, <laughs> but, but until we actually get to that point, uh, it, it's still people that does everything. Uh, no matter what the technology is or where we are uh, or as advanced as we are technologically, it's still people that actually make it happen. Now, everyone is not always, I mean, you're going to have those people who go along with the change no matter what, but there's going to be those people inside the organization that will fight it, you know, either knowingly or unknowingly, they're not happy with it. Um, how do you have to handle those people? Well, I, I think that's really a, uh, a two-part question. Um, I truly believe that the biggest barrier for people just accepting the changes is they don't really realize um, that there's actually a grand bargain, that that's actually made between employer and employee. Uh, the employer says, okay, I want you to go ahead. We're putting this change into place. I want you to go ahead and do it. And the employee, um, at least on a, uh, a theoretical basis, will go ahead and say, okay, I might be willing to go ahead and do this change. I'm willing to invest my time my effort, my emotion, to go ahead and make this happen. But like any other investment, I expect a return. Uh, in businesses, it's just a simple ROI, a return on investment. But for individuals, it's more of a personal return on investment, or something I call a PROI. And that could really run the gamut from anything from opportunity, recognition. Uh, certainly, there's always compensatory. There's uh, opportunities for advancement or promotion. Uh, but within the opportunity spectrum, there, there could be anything. It could be more than just promotion. It could just be opportunity to do something differently, opportunity to do something even better, opportunity to use this experience as a, uh, uh, as a learning thing, uh, to, to broaden my knowledge uh, for the next time, uh, to become a subject matter expert. I mean, there's, it's almost endless where, where you go with that. So, you know, I look at that as that by itself seems to be the single biggest barrier where People aren't going to go ahead with the change. They're looking at it as, 
okay, what's in it for me? All I see right, right now is, is this is going to make my job harder. I'm going to have to mm -hmm. do more. It's going to be double work. Or better yet, great, now you're going to put this into place. You might not need me anymore. So why should I cooperate with that? Um, again, that goes back down to the communication element of, uh, of the change. And that communication really goes ahead and does a good deal uh, to combat against both confusion and the fear, which really is the basis for pushback or resentment. All right, Mo, uh, thanks a lot. I want to remind everyone once again, the name of the book is Selfish Altruism, Managing and Executing Successful Change Initiatives. Uh, Mo, thanks a lot for your time today. Okay, you're very welcome. Thank you.